one book, a few chapters, and hundreds of pages have led us to this. Adventure, romance, the thrill of a lifetime, a thousand lives that we get to explore. Join me. Hi everyone. I am so excited to be back. It's January of 2023. Oh my goodness, January of 2023. And guess what, guys? I've done it again. The podcast is changing. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so sorry, everyone. So have you ever gotten in this like thing where you started something creative and you really enjoyed it, but then you felt like you needed to go a different direction because it was just not going your way? That was the first time I started the podcast. It was very faith-based, but then it just started getting very, very preachy. And I just couldn't do it anymore. I didn't want to do a sermon every time I got on the podcast. Um, So I tried something different. I tried doing something new last October, and it was just going to be any topic I wanted twice a month. No big deal. And yeah, but I did two episodes, and then I stopped. And I think it was because it gave me too much room for um, topics. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was trying to do too much. And I realized as I was getting ready for the Pixie Dust Twins, which is my other podcast with my best friend, Sammy. Uh, Go check it out if you haven't listened to it. And I realized that I like having one topic. I like having something that I can outline out, I can record ahead of time, and that it is specific thing, like it's a specific topic that I just continue to build on throughout the time. So for the last time, I hope and pray I am changing the podcast, uh, new season, new episode, and what this podcast is going to be actually goes along with my very first passion, my very first degree that I started, and that is reading. I have a bachelor's of science in English education, 6 through 12, so I was trained in literature and specifically YA literature. I, I mean, I did British literature, contemporary literature, um, postmodern, modernism, grammar, all the different things, which we'll probably end up talking about at some time on this podcast, but I focus in on young adult literature or what we call YA literature. Because that's my biggest passion. Because not only do I love to read, I also love to write. And that's my other degree. I have a master's in creative writing from Southern New Hampshire University. uh, And I focused in on writing young adult literature. And one of the things they tell you is to be able to write it, you got to read it, you got to know it. So that's all I read is really YA literature. Um, Sometimes I'll do some adult literature if, if something gets thrown my way. Uh, There's a book I'm going to read here soon because my friend recommended it to me. She wants me to read it so we can talk about it. It's uh, a Nora Roberts book. I've never read any Nora Roberts before in my life, but I'm going to try it out. It's, um, oh shoot, I should have brought it over to the desk. Something Awakening. It's a a Dragon Legacy book. I'm reading the first one. Um, So I will, Legacy Legacy Awakening or something like that. So I'll be reading that soon. But mostly, like I said, I read young adult literature because that is my passion. My passion is books and writing. If you were able to see inside of my apartment, which if you follow me on TikTok, uh, you will be able to see it. I have a mini library going. That's not even all my books. It's just what I can fit in my apartment at this point in time. And that's what 
we're going to be talking about on this podcast from uh, genres of literature, specifically YA. I'm going to break down different books that I love over the years. I'm not just going to look at new books. I'm going to look at a lot of my old books that I love that some of you might not know about because they're not really around very much anymore or you really got to dig to find them. So I'm going to bring those up as well, especially the first couple months. We're going to look at genres. Uh, This month, January, we're specifically each week going to talk about a specific uh, popular genre in the YA literature format. And then um, let's see here, February, March, April, and May, we're going to dig deeper into those genres and look at specific books that I want to pull apart and talk to you guys about that kind of fit underneath that genre. Now, some young adult literature, if you don't know, can fit under many, many genres. Like, for example, can't believe I'm using this as an example because it just makes me want to gag. Twilight. Sorry, Um, I'm not a Twilight fan. But Twilight can be under a couple different genres. It's under fantasy. It's under um, uh, romance. It's under uh, contemporary fiction because contemporary fiction has what's called magical realism. Um, there's a couple different like things that it could be under. And that's what a lot of our books are nowadays. They kind of cross the genres. We don't keep them as tight fit as they did a couple decades ago. I'm seeing them become more and more loose when it comes to their genres. And we're just going to we're going to unpack that. Um, Now, before we get into the four specific genres that we're going to look at here at the beginning of this year and which one we're going to talk about more specifically today, I want to just talk to you about the young adult formula, because the reality is young adult literature, we are actually moving away from the formula and it's. Well, let's just be honest. It's becoming way too mature for young adult literature. Young adult literature, when this started, was supposed to be for 13 to 14 year olds through 18. So 13, 14 through 18 years old was supposed to be young adult literature. And then right before 13 and 14 year olds was supposed to be middle grades literature. And that's still pretty on par. 10, 11, 12, 13 are still kind of those middle grades. Uh, But 14 and up... In my opinion, it's kind of a little too mature for 14-year-olds. Like, I cannot imagine reading Sarah J. Mass as a 14-year-old freshman who barely knew anything about the birds and the bees. Um, and I even had my friends telling me about the birds and the bees. Uh, I had the talk. We had health class. But it still was, it, it's still really mature and, like, this um, this sexual maturity in the Sarah J. Mass books that 14 and 15 year olds, even 16 and 17 year olds really don't even have. I feel like we need to create a new category. We need to separate young adult and college. Um, We need like a college age or young adult needs to be college and we need to call the 14 to 17 year old something different. Um, There needs to be some change there, but that's that's my take on it. But let's talk about what the formula actually is, because I think this formula is still very much important. It's very much in the DNA and I don't think it needs to change, uh, even though we've kind of gotten away from it a little bit. So, of course, we just talked about it. The first thing in the formula is age-appropriate content. It's supposed to be for readers approximately 14 to 18 years old or 14 and up. Like I said, I feel like some of our our stuff has gotten away from that. Even some of those books like um, 13 Reasons Why, that is a very tough 
book um, that I think is good for the contemporary piece because if you don't know, it's talking about this girl committed suicide and this tapes going around to all the people that um, contributed to why she committed suicide. Um, it's a really tough book and, and it is talking to the social aspects of the day. Um, now we're not going to pull that book apart on this podcast. I just, I don't want to go there, uh, cause it gets dark and it was very hard for me to read at the time. Even when I was in my twenties reading it, I was like, Ooh, this, this hurts. Um, and there are some mature themes that I think need to be brought up in young adult, but we really need to look at age appropriate ways to present them. And I think that we're presenting it to them like they're 18, 19, 20 year olds and they're not. So you're always going to hear me say that. I'm always going to have that stance. It's my opinion. If someone else thinks differently, that's your opinion. I would love to just discuss it. I will never argue with you about it because we all think differently. So that's the first one in the formula. Second one in the formula is a teenage protagonist. YA literature has to have a teenage protagonist. And this is where also some of those bigger books, some of those bigger books right now, like the Sarah J. Mass books, love them. They are one of my favorite things to read. But in my opinion, they're not a YA formula because a teenage protagonist is going to be that 14 to 18 year old, whereas <laughs> her characters are not really that age. They are older. Even if they are starting at 18, 19, that's still not in a teenage protagonist age range when it comes to be that. Um, now, one thing that you do need to have for a teenage protagonist is not only do they need to be a teenager, but in the formula, most of the time, most, not all the time, but most of the time, there is a um, adult taken away from them, whether their mom died, their dad died, or they don't know their parents or both their parents died. They, they need to be thrusted out onto their own where they have to be independent of some sort. Now, again, this is not all the time. YA literature, a lot of this happens in more of the, um, oh, the fantasy and adventure and, and some of the contemporary and most of the mystery thrillers. Um, it doesn't happen as much in like the realistic contemporary. That one is more of like they're thrusted out on their own because their parents just aren't in the picture very often. They're they're working all the time or going on a trip or maybe they they went on. I have a book about called Five Summers and these girls went to summer camp. So their parents aren't even near them. So that's how they separated themselves from their their parents. So there's other ways to separate themselves from parents. Um, they don't always have to die, but you'll see a lot of times in the fantasy and adventure they die. Oh, I feel like I'm talking fast, but I'm trying to get through these <laughs> formula points. Um, let's see here. Now, the formula does say that although all although characters of all ages can be represented, they can, but I feel like the main one needs to be a teenager, not a college student. They're not, they're adults by that point. They're dealing with adult social issues that teenagers are not. They're two separate um, entities, in my opinion. And my opinion comes from working with middle schoolers, high schoolers, and college students for the past 10, 12 years uh, in the education system and then in the ministry setting. So I'm not coming at this saying I've never worked with teenagers. I've never worked with college students. Oh, no. That has been my life and my career the past 10, 12 years is working with middle school, high school, and college-age kids. They really are separate 
entities that need separate types of uh, literature for them to read and to to go through all this stuff. Uh, let's see here. Third part of a YA formula is a manageable length. Most uh, YA novels are typically 60 to 100,000 words. Some are under, some are over. It kind of depends on the storyline itself. But that's the typical range is 60 to 100,000 words. That one's pretty self-explanatory. Um, and the last one is every YA novel has to answer these two questions or they're trying to answer these two questions. And the first one is, who am I? Any teen, any young adult in your late eighth grade all the way to senior year, you are literally trying to figure out who you are. That is what is going on in your brains. That is that's what's going on in your lives. You're trying to figure out who you are because you're hitting hormones. You're hitting all these different things. And and there's so many things thrown at you, especially today. When I was in middle school and high school, we just had to figure out our st- pretty much the stereotypes was the thing for us. Are you a jock? Are you a goth? Are you um, a nerd? Are you a teacher's pet, whatever. Those were our like figuring out where we fit in. Now you have so much more. You have sexuality is a thing now. Changing sexuality, changing gender, um, no gender. There's just so many different things and all that are being thrown at teenagers today. And PSA, I'm not saying that I agree with any of these things. I am a strong, devout Christian. Doesn't mean I don't love these kids that are going through these changes, that are questioning these things. Doesn't mean that I'm not going to be there for them if I have kids come to me and talk to me about these things, or I'm going to direct them in a different way. But I'm going to speak truth in what I believe is truth and love. And the big part of that is love. So you're not going to hear a lot on my podcast about the novels that deal with um, different sexualities and different gender, non-binary, etc. just because... Um, I have my own personal religious beliefs on those. Again, doesn't mean that I would not love them, that I would not treat them equally, that I would not um, give them the shirt off my back if they needed it. It's just that it's not something I want to wrestle with on here, especially over this kind of medium, um, because I feel like that's an in-person conversation. So I hope that clears that up. but answering who I am. And then the second portion is, what am I going to do about it? So who am I? And then what am I going to do about it? Those are like the two big questions for um, YA literature that we need to be seeing. And as we go through different stories that I bring up, as I dissect different books, I'm going to be looking at those two questions every single time. Are they looking for who they are or Are they looking for what I'm going to do about it or both? Like it could be one or the other or both. We'll find out when we dive in. And that is honestly the YA formula that I was taught in college. And that was about, oh my gosh, I'm going to age myself so bad. So it's 2023. I started college in 2006. I probably got to my YA literature class my sophomore, junior year. So that was like 2009. Um, so we're looking at, oh my gosh, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 11, 14 years ago when I took that class. And that's the formula they gave us 14 years ago. And I actually did some research, of course, because I'm not going to just get on here and spout whatever I want. Um, 
But I did some research on what people are saying the formula for YA literature is now today. And pretty much that's the exams. That is the same formula from 14 years ago when I learned it. And honestly, it's been the same formula since YA started, which has only been around for a couple decades. Um, YA literature is still very, very new, um, even though it's continuously exploding all over the place. So you're probably wondering, what are the four different genres we are going to be talking about uh, this month, specifically starting today? So the first genre we're going to look at is contemporary fiction. Uh, this one is what YA literature started out as. Uh, stuff like Catcher in the Rye, The Giver, um, The Outsiders. A lot of those were the popular books back then when YA literature was starting to get some friction and and that's what they are. They're contemporary fiction. So we're going to talk about that today. Um, the other ones are science fiction, fantasy and adventure, and mystery and thriller. Now, they're very broad ones. Within each genre, there are some subgenres, um, except for, um, well, no, mystery has, or no, thriller has subgenres, but mystery does not. Just kind of depends which genre you're in, but most of them have some sort of subgenre, uh, and we'll talk about the contemporary fiction ones right now. So the three subgenres that I found currently that you that you kind of see when you're looking at contemporary fiction is uh, romance or relationship-based novels, uh, your coming-of-age novels, and then magical realism. So to put some perspective, um, depending on your age of who you who you are and listening, romance relationship based ones, um, those are your uh, your John Green books, your Fault in in Our Stars, your uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower, your uh, what other? Let's see here, Paper Towns, etc. Those are your romantic relationship based. And also those are kind of your coming of age as well. Um, to the Boys I've Loved Before. That's a big TV show right now. Or movies. Those are movies right now. Great books. Um, and then uh, The Summer I Turn Pretty. Another great romance coming of age series from Jenny Han uh, that are now TV shows. So To the Boys I Love Before is a movie right now. And uh, The Summer I Turn Pretty is TV shows, which I love The Summer I Turn Pretty. Uh, and I love it more than To All the Boys I Love Before. Don't kill me, but that is my opinion. <laughs> um, uh, so romance relationship based uh, subgenre and the coming of age genre, they can be two separate ones. But honestly, they usually intermix, especially nowadays, because when you're learning about romance, you're kind of coming of age at the same time. And it just kind of all intermixes. Now, the third subgenre, we don't see as much, and I'll talk about that here in a minute, but it's magical realism. Um, for example, magical realism would be, uh, oh dear. I feel like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like thinking of like a TV show would be magical realism because you have, it's based in reality. It's based in like a town here. But we we've interweaved the the magical realism. Um, oh, what's the other one? It's uh oh my gosh, it's on the it's in my bookshelf. 
City of Bones uh, technically has some magical realism to it because you're taking place in New York, but then you're you have the background world with the magic involved or charm. Charm's a TV show that I would also include as like magical realism. Now those are more under nowadays we look at it we're like oh that's fantasy or that's whatever, but it it is a piece of magical realism in my opinion. Um, I would be okay with arguments telling me that I'm wrong on that. Leave them in the comments if you want to give me a synopsis of why I'm wrong about them being a part of magical realism. That's no big deal. Um, but anywho, contemporary fiction was actually created to help young adults understand their world, emotions, and even their sexuality. From tragic stories to wishful, um, fulfill, wish-fulfilling stories, uh, contemporary fiction is all about real world social issues reflecting what is going on in the world at the time of writing or publishing. That's when, that's why I said Catcher in the Rye. That's why I said The Outsiders. That's why I said um, The Giver. Uh, those contemporary fictions, Giver would be magical realism now that I think about it. Um, they have these world social issues reflected within what's going on. Uh, the outsiders are the greasers versus the, it's kind of like that, uh, sharks versus, oh, I can't even think of what it is. <laughs> West side story, uh, sort of deal going on. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's looking at the world social views and, and bringing in what's going on around them to reflect. Now, we've gotten away from the world social issues in some novels, not all novels. Like I said, there's a lot of novels out there talking about uh, sexuality and uh, gender changing and equality and um, the Black Lives Matter movement and the Asian Lives Matter movement and the Me Too movement. There are a bunch of teen novels that have to do with those things, and those are considered contemporary fiction. Um, now, they're not very high out on the list right now. I actually looked at Goodreads to see what the top seven uh, contemporary realism books are by rating on Goodreads. Uh, and there's a lot of books that have been around for a while that are still high on the list and have not been, um, what's the word I'm looking for, rated out of of the top seven um but before we get to that uh i will say this has never been my favorite genre i'm not a huge ya contemporary fan uh just because the difference between adult contemporary and ya temporary is i just said that wrong it's fine um it's never been my favorite genre but uh there is a difference between adult contemporary and YA contemporary and that is there's a bigger ending of hope or hopefulness uh adult contemporary there's not much hope kind of sometimes ends with like almost like a modern um uh, modern postmodern feel sometimes to some of these contemporary books uh so I'm just I've never been a fan of it but there are some things that I do do like to read that are considered contemporary fiction, and we'll get to those here in a minute. Um, but I was on this website called writersedit.com, and I'll have all my references uh, saved with this podcast of the places that I went to get my research. Uh, but when it came to magical realism, uh, they said, YA magical realism books aren't very common. 
which I already mentioned. Uh, the ones that exist feature a magical element woven into the story, but everything else in the story is realistic. These novels are set in our world, and the characters face many problems and themes similar to our contemporary stories. Okay, so with that, I take off um, City of Bones and what was the other one I said? I think just City of Bones. Yeah, I'll just take off City of Bones from that one because that's not, that doesn't go along with that um, definition. But Charmed and the other ones that I said from TV shows kind of go along with this. Um, yeah, they face demons and whatnot, but they also face what it is to love. Buffy faces what it is to um, grow up as a teenager and to learn who she is and all the things. So it's not a very common one that you find because usually magic realism will turn into fantasy and adventure of some sort or some sort of science fiction or, or that sort of thing. It's very hard to toe that line with the magical realism. So like I said, I looked at the Goodreads top seven. So let's go through these real quick. Um, current, this is current. Like I looked at it today. Uh, current YA contemporary fiction list, uh, top rated Top seven. So I'll start at seven and go up. The seventh slot that have is Paper Towns by John Green. Then Lola and the Boy Next Door, which is the second book to Anna in The French Kiss. Uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower, Eleanor and Park. Number three, top three, Fault in Our Stars. Number two is Fangirl. And number one, which does not surprise me, to all the boys I've loved before, which is the Jenny Han uh, novel. Hmm. Sorry, I yawned. Um, this list does not surprise me. It's not very much of a changing list because current YA contemporary, I don't think you're going to get any better than Jenny Han or um, John Green and, and some of these other people kind of weaving in between. I've read Paper Towns. Um, I've read The Perks of Being a Wallflower. I have not read Fault in Our Stars, but that's because I don't want to cry. And I I have read to all the boys I've loved before. So I, I get why these are still at the top seven. But these are not my top seven. Well, one of them is, but not all of them. So at the end of every show, what I want to do is I want to leave you with my mini library recommendations uh, for my contemporary list. These are the four top four contemporary books that are actually on my mini library shelves behind me. And I'm recommending them to you because I think, in my opinion, they're the best. And then in February, we're actually going to break them all down each week uh, to let you know why I love them so much and what elements their authors use to make them such a great book. It's always good to look at the writing and see why it's such a good story. So number four on my list that I'll always recommend for contemp is Paper Towns. I Like I said, it's number seven on the contemporary fiction list. I make it my number four. And the reason for it is just how John Green can weave a story is just so poetic and beautiful. And there's something about the way it the way it like flows that I just love it so much. It's it's not a happy go lucky ending story, but it's just there's a beauty to it. There's a tragic beauty to it that I just can't get away from. Um, and I'm excited to kind of look over it again when I get to talk to you about it at the end of next month. Uh, so 
yeah. Number three, this was hard because one of my favorite authors of all time is Sarah Dessen. I found her when I was a teenager and I have not stopped reading her stuff. Um, and I have two of her books on my list. But honestly, I recommend anything by Sarah Dessen. She is an amazing writer and she's she's just great. I just love her so much. Um, number three on my list is This Lullaby. I love that book. So good. It's just beautiful. Um, the second one I would recommend is my favorite Sarah Dessen book of all time, and that's The Truth About Forever. I am going to devour reread this book before I talk to you guys about it uh, in week two of February, but I just, I love it so much. Love it so much. And then last but not least is The Summer I Turned Pretty uh, trilogy. It is such a good trilogy. It actually reminds me of a short story I wrote back in high school before this series came or this trilogy came out. It's not exactly the same, but the very last book of this trilogy reminds me of that short story I wrote. And I'll talk more about it when we we talk about this and I might share that story um, on my socials. But it's just so good. Jenny Han is just an amazing writer. Uh, she's fantastic. So the the three writers I have on here, um, John Green, Sarah Dessen, and Jenny Han, those are going to be my three recommendations every time when someone asks me who I should read for contemporary fiction, and and they're gonna be they're gonna be it. So like I said, um, in February we're gonna break each one of these books down each week. I want to talk about what makes these my favorite contemporary and why they're on my shelves. From uh, character development to plot to the execution of writing, we're literally going to talk about it all. And I'm super excited about it because it is one of my biggest passions and it is one of my favorite things to do. So, yeah, I, I'm really excited about that. Um, but before we wrap up, I do just want you to listen to a message from our sponsor, uh, Limitless Broadcasting. So take a gander. Hey, it's Robert from Limitless Broadcasting, reminding you to tune in to Limitless Broadcasting Network anywhere you get your podcasts, from Apple Podcasts to Spotify. Check us out today. Yes, go check out the rest of the podcasts that Limitless has. There's the Pixie Dust Twins, which is what me and Sammy do together. It's a Disney Uh, based podcast. We are in Indiana Jones right now. And next month, we're talking all things lovey-dovey Disney. And that'll be fun. Um, They have a Living with Chronic Pain podcast. Uh, They also have um, Can't Kill the Boogeyman if you love horror shows. Uh, And there's also a new amateur... Oh, Cannabis. Amateur Cannabis, which is another Chronic Pain podcast. podcast. So lots of variety. I feel like there's other another one that I'm missing. So just just go check it out. Uh, and there there's some great content on there that you can continue to consume. But as we wrap up for this week, next week, we're going to be exploring my favorite, favorite genre, which is fantasy and adventure of the YA literature. That's pretty much 70% of the books on my back shelf behind me. So I'm super excited to talk about that and give you my recommendations. So friends, go read a book, enjoy an adventure together. 
Um, I hope you've enjoyed the adventure with me, Ashley Danny, today. Join me next week as I dive into another story that will maybe help you escape reality, if only for a moment. Bye, everyone. <laughs>